You're not listening to the sound of sanity. Sound. Oh, what's my thing, guys? I don't know. You should uh, be sure you take a long time getting it out. You are now listening to the sound of sanity. This sound this will continue for the yeah. duration of the program. Yeah. Oh, that was great. All right, folks, we got a fast one for you today. Rocket speed. For those of you who hate long podcasts, I don't know why you're still like our fans, but for those of you that are always like, eh, I could have gotten the same amount of information in 20 minutes, and I feel the need to write a tweet about it or leave something on a message board. This is for you. This one's going to be fast. There's not going to be any fluff. There's not going to be any nittering at the beginning, if that's a word. There's not going to be any joking around, no giggling. We are going to begin this episode like a rocket that has been fired off, and that rocket is going to travel all the way to the end of the episode. Yep. As soon as we get it on the launch pad, yep. come up with a couple other metaphors. You got to design a rocket, first of all. <laughs> Elon Musk. Yeah, we'll talk to Elon. <laughs> or Jeff, Jeff Be- I prefer Elon's rocket to Jeff Bezos's. what's his space blue or whatever. I don't know about the rockets. I prefer Elon to Jeff as far as people go. They're yeah. both on a first name basis with me. Now here's a rocket sound effect. It's more like a... Like a bottle rocket. Bottle rocket, yeah. That indicates the kind of show. <laughs> we build it up real big, and then it's a small and disappointing and kind of flutters to the ground. Anyway, folks, we want to get to lunch. Not going to tell tales out of school. I am going to, no, not going to lie. We, want to, we need to get to lunch, but we have things to talk about. We care about you. We want to give you a quality show, but this one's going to burn fast, burn hot. My name is Nathan. That's Ben. That's Jake. And this is April in 1984. We're going to talk about the things in the culture that our patrons have told us to talk about things that we're going to bring a little biblical sanity to. That is not the sound effect that I meant to push at all. I apologize. That's perfect. Speaking of reviews, we've got two new ones in the last month. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> what do they say? As <laughs> I like, get the rocket get assembled here on the launch pad. One says, wonderful. This is by Meredith144. <laughs> this is the best Christian podcast Wait. about culture and news that I've ever heard, and I won't hear another one until I listen to the next episode. Crying emoji, sunglasses emoji, five stars. And there's another one. Thank you. From Bibliophilomary, Bibliophile Mary, I think we want to say. I've never heard such an excellent podcast by Christians on culture, and I probably never will hear one again until I listen to the next episode of this podcast. These are old. Smiley face. I remember these. Thank you for your work to keep us sane. These are from March of 2023. And then there's another one from Thursday by Sane Person 1234. Super fun. Five stars. Just a 17-year-old kid who enjoys listening to good conservative Christian podcasts like this while working late at a fast food restaurant. Hey. That's good. Thanks, dude. I'll yeah. take it. We enjoy putting out stuff for you to listen to. While working at a fast food restaurant. While working at a fast food restaurant. Where do you think a quality listener of Sound of Sanity works? Chick-fil-A. Eh, eh, he's not one of those saps. My pleasure, my pleasure. Our internet service is good. <laughs> we have the... We love Chick-fil-A here. We have the best Nathan does not represent fast food all of us. in existence. Mm, my pleasure. Here's some mediocre chicken. Here's some potato it wedges. My pleasure, my pleasure. It is <laughs> Wow. <crack. laughs> This is somehow sour grapes. I don't know how, but <laughs> Nathan just hates anything that's vaguely associated with Christianity. That's 
No, uh, Jake, you're vaguely associated with Christianity. I've heard you preach sermons that I'd say (laughs) downright Christian. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't hate you. I like you. Listen, I think he works at... Oh, we Sanity of the Movies just got a fun review. Oh, let's hear it. Insipid by (laughs) K. Noir B. Okay. One star. Listen to an episode because I got the name of another podcast wrong. Ended up unpleasantly surprised by this one. This is awesome. Would rather have gone out to my grandma's farm to check her yard for cow pies. That's it? Yeah, that's it. That's the review. I like that one. I like it too. I'm pleased. Would rather? I, if you're going to insult us, be creative. Would rather go out to my grandma's mm-hmm. yard to look for cow pies. That's pretty good. <laughs> that, that, I accept it. That is absolutely right. Sure. In your face, sucker! <laughs> okay. Well, those are some reviews. I promised people a rocket ship and us that we'd get to lunch, but. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to light the fuse mm-hmm. on the rocket. Okay, let's now, go. Let me see if I have a fuse sound effect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a confused sound effect. That's Tim Allen from 1990s Home Improvement. Oh, man. I don't like that guy. Confused. I don't like that sound. guy. I like him. That's exactly what you just loaded up, though. Yeah, it didn't say that's what it was going to be, though. Anyway, folks, we're going to give you some quality content. Here we go. The Rise of the single and woke and young democratic female. That is the article, the first article we were going to talk about. A CNN exit poll found that 68% of unmarried women voted for the donkey. Single, quote, single childless women are joining African-Americans as the Democrats' most reliable supporters. Another quote, a new Institute for Family Studies analysis of 2020 census data found that one in six women do not have children by the time they reach the end of their childbearing years, up from 1 in 10 in 1990. I don't know what that has to do with anything. I mean, it does, but there's less stigma attached to being single and unpartnered. Single women today have many impressive role models of unattached childless women who have succeeded on their own, like Taylor Swift and much of the U.S. <laughs> women's soccer team. <laughs> this is wow. a pretty long article. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Long. I just pulled some quotes from it. Yeah. I just think that's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Young unattached men have new role models like King Charles. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because you could be just like him. Uh, anyway, basically what this article's saying is that there's a bunch of ladies and they're young and they're single and they're developing, as the article says, something of a group consciousness, nearly two thirds of women under 30 See what happens to other women is critical to their own lives. And they tend to be employed heavily in helping professions like medical care and teaching and stuff like that. If you can imagine women predominating in those fields. And so there's this whole group of women who really care about what happens to other women and really care about social issues. And they vote Democrat. What do you guys think about that? The fruit of feminism, which the article also talks about. I mean, the article says it's the fruit of feminism, so we'd be loath to disagree with CNN. We'd be loath. I'm not going to say that women shouldn't vote. <gasps> I'm just going to ironically imply, imply it, it by yeah. kind of throwing it out there. Yeah. Because that's what heroes do. I don't know. It bugs me that so much power in this country is held by people who I could beat up. <laughs> I don't know. Is there anything else you guys want to say about this? It's a good article. We would agree with what the points. We just think they're terrible, whereas the article doesn't think that they're terrible. I don't, I don't know. I mean, okay, fine. I'll say it. Young women are the stupidest people on the planet. Not 
that far behind young men. But you combine youth not that f- behind, not that far behind. No, not, of- not that far ahead of young men. Uh, not trying to really, not trying to be a sexist here. I'm just saying when you combine youth and experience, which all young people have, with the fear that comes from being the weaker sex in a hostile world that wants to exploit you and take advantage of you. And you combine that with the susceptibility to deception that women have had since Eve. You've got a being that's been created in the lab to take be taken advantage of. Why am I so attracted to these helping professions that mm-hmm. are so like motherhood without being motherhood while I am in my childbearing years and not having children? Also, why do I want cats? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I'm sure going to vote for the party that promises to protect me, take care of me, and... Let me kill any babies that may accidentally come along. Yeah. Try to come along. Protect my freedoms. And I don't know. I mean, it's this isn't an insight, really, because I think we all know this. But if you just assume that most human behavior is motivated by fear, you won't be wrong. And certainly the behavior of women is often, when unchecked by their husbands or fathers, protecting them, motivated by fear. And if you are afraid of a society that doesn't care about you, that wants to use you, that wants to do all kinds of things to you, and then the Democrats come along and they say, we'll make everything equal, we'll make everything fair, we'll empower you. It's just an easy, you've got low sales resistance for that sort of thing. So... Yep. That's who they pander to. That's their base. And yes. they create the vulnerability, uh, vulnerabilities and problems that attach them. It's just a cycle of fail. Yep. And I would basically agree with the Twitter thread that I saw yesterday that said, in a sort of red pill sort of a way, it said, You do realize that behind every vote is violence, that behind every vote is a gun, that behind every vote, once we have a country has decided, to do things, we are wielding our military and our police and our men. Our men are actually the ones who have to go and kill in the name of whatever we decide to do. Yeah, and that applies across the board, 100%. And it's fun. I think the beauty of the age we live in with the internet and social media is the ability to point out the hypocrisy of all this. So there's wonderful little videos now of how farmers who produce crops for vegan companies are out there just like slaughtering the animals that <laughs> that feed on the crops and chasing them off and <laughs> into huge traps and dumping their bodies. And yeah, it's just like, yeah, behind absolutely everything, absolutely everything, there's a gun. Yep. There is a cost. And you live in ignorance and salve your conscience how you please. Well, but, and, and so the people... It, Historically, men have borne the costs and therefore they've made the decisions. And I think that that's actually what I meant when I said I resent the power belonging to the people who I could beat up. Um, that was a very silly way of saying a deep truth. So, yeah, fine. I don't think women should vote. I don't think my wife probably thinks women should vote either. All right. Anything else to say about the rise of the single woke and young Democratic female? No. I turned my son's body into compost for a green funeral. This is an article. It's exactly what it sounds like. I won't bother to read a bunch of quotes from it or anything like that. It's just telling the story of, I forget even what state it was in, but 
maybe because I'm a racist against California, I want to say California, but that might not be right. But they had within the last couple of years legalized this kind of thing. And so this woman was using a service where you give your loved one's remains back to the earth. Basically, you, you put the dead body in like a capsule and they sort of water it and give it sunlight and make it maximize the conditions for biodegradability and then give you back compost and you can do what you want with it, which makes me physically sick to even describe like right now I have this weird sensation I get when I think too much about death my toes and my fingers go numb I don't know if anyone else has this happen or you know if I'm repulsed by something but I think that that's so actively gross and weird yeah this is not Mm -hmm. the same thing as a green burial which I just want to draw a distinction here because there may be listeners who have churches that have cemeteries or graveyards that do this sort of thing because they they're providing a service to the people of their church in a way that's affordable. And a green burial is just simply you have a proper a properly dug grave <clears throat> and you instead of paying a bunch of money for a coffin and stuff like that you do what anybody might have done 100 years ago or 200 years ago or 500 years ago. You wrap the body in linen and drop it into the properly depth grave and you cover it. Right. With the tombstone marker and everything else. This is not that. Right. Would you also forego embalming material fluids and things like that in a case like that? I don't know, actually. I think probably it's done differently. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I think maybe. I think, I think maybe you do because the chemicals can be toxic. And there is a certain degree of, especially depending on where a cemetery or a graveyard is, you know, there's concern about water table and runoff and things like that. Right. So um, depending on where the, the state you live in and the regulations, generally a church can actually just decide that a plot of ground is a, is a graveyard or a cemetery and cut out a lot of the highly expensive services of death that, you know, in hoops that people have to jump through. And the reason I know this is because my stepmom is the head of the board of trustees for a 200 plus year old cemetery and Trinity, the church where I served previously, was investigating and beginning to put in a a, a graveyard and in considering all of these things around the time that we were about to leave. And so I've got it from two different sides. And and that's the only real reason I know to just say, hey, it's possible that you might confuse this for that. But this is not that. Right. This is a a weird service where they put the body in the pod and then there are people checking in on it over 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 months or oh, however man, long it takes oh, to man. and feeding it like the right mix of oh, whatever so that it's it, actually composting the body that you're then going to use in some kind of grossly grotesquely sentimental way yeah in your garden or it's horrible something like that i can't to plant a tree to but we have people on our discord that were like okay maybe i have a visceral reaction against this maybe i don't but what's actually wrong with it yeah yeah and with anything like this it's very similar to cremation because it's a desecration of the body it's not a natural death is not natural 
and composting a body is not natural and burning a body is not natural. Composting a body and burning a body are desecrating a body of someone who is made in God's image. And the reason we bury our bodies is because we believe in the resurrection of the dead. And that's not to say that we don't believe that bodies decompose. Of course they do. And that's part of it, but that's part of the curse of it. We honor bodies in death. We take care of them. And that's the Christian testimony. And it's a pagan practice to to burn the dead. And this is just a, a neo-pagan practice. In all through scripture, patriarchs bury their dead. It's always burial. When you get to Jesus, how much time do the gospels spend on? He's buried. They were doing this to prepare him for burial. They came to tend to his body after burial. A lot of time. And that's all tied up with the resurrection of the body. I mean, in the Bible, when you burn something, that's because it's cursed. The Israelites would burn evil cities of Canaanites. And then Canaanites would burn their children in the fire. It's always associated with God's wrath or the curse. It's just very clear in terms of, the, I guess, the typology of it and the practice of it. So that's a, that's, that's a larger argument from Scripture that you can make. And there's such a beautiful passage in 1 Corinthians 15, is it? The, where every burial is likened to a seed. You know, mm-hmm. we don't know what we don't know what or how this wonderful, glorious new creation is mm-hmm. going to spring out of this. That's God's business. But we do know that mm-hmm. we're planting some when we plant a believer, we're planting a seed that is going to one day grow into something mm-hmm. that we can't even imagine. Oh, hey, so here's Ecclesiastes 6.3. I've forgotten about this one, but I just found it in a Bible search. A man may have a hundred children and live many years, yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity and does not receive proper burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. Yeah, I mean, some of our listeners may be thinking, okay, guys, but there's no sort of what Ben said was maybe just the closest thing to like a clincher verse or a just a Bible verse that just lays it out for you. Like you're talking in terms of typology and stuff, but not just typology, but practice in what flows naturally from the way that from the hope of the resurrection, like you were just saying, and from the example of Christ and from the counter example of God's enemies. Yeah. I mean, I do think we are such a weird society. Like we don't know, we don't realize how weird we are. We don't realize how influenced by Buddhism and Eastern practices and stuff we mm-hmm. are, how mixed up we are. Like when someone dies, it's not that everything that was that person left. There, you still have part of the person. I mean, the body is them. It's not just the meat shell yeah. that the ghost left. Everything that was real. I mean, the horror of it is that these two things, the body and the spirit that aren't supposed to be separated. separated have been separated. Have been separated. Mm-hmm. That's where every zombie movie and every ghost movie, and both in their different ways, derive their horror from. It's this fundamental abhorrence we have of a spirit without a body or a body without a spirit. Mm-hmm. They're both scary. Yeah. And but when you go to a funeral, like you're seeing that person. You're see you're not just seeing, you know, the physical cage, the thing that they unplugged from, the matrix right. that they left behind. And I think people throughout history have understood this and it's just been second nature to them in a way that is just not for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it may not seem all that intuitive to some of our listeners, but 
it's this thing that actually in most Christian societies in the West, at least just would have been like, like we wouldn't even be asking the question. It just would have felt yeah obvious. That's right. I remember the first time I heard a preacher making a thing of this and I was like, what? what? Is this really an issue to make a thing of like in a sermon or something? Isn't this like a little bit over the top? But I don't think so. It is all through the Bible. Yeah. And once you start to think about it that way, there is something so pagan and rebellious and nasty about a mother composting her son. It's kind of like a, you can't fire me, I quit syndrome. I hate you, God, because you're going to compost my son. So yeah. I'm going to compost him first. I, I hate to even put words to that. It's so blasphemous. But it's like we we live under a punishment. And what all these kinds of death cults do is they try and turn the punishment into our glory. Isn't it great that we turn into compost? It's like, no, it sucks. But it's God's will. God is turning us back into dust. He can do that. Mm-hmm. We can't just take upon ourselves. The, I'm going to make myself into dust before you can do it, God. It's so rebellious. Anything else to say about this? No. All right. Next, Tucker. We had a Tucker Carlson segment on a trans shooter. Tucker, when he's on fire, is far and away the best of the dudes. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of think of him in the same category with Shapiro and Walsh and... Crowder and all the conservative commentators. I kind of like him better than all of them. I like him better too. I think, I don't know. I mean, I don't really have much respect for any of that whole category, but right. as far as those kinds of people go, he's almost always good. But the money quote from this was, he said, the trans movement, as it turns out, is, quote, the mere image of Christianity and therefore its natural enemy. People who believe they're God can't stand to be reminded that they're not. He was talking, if I didn't make it clear about the shooter that, killed six people in a Christian school, the trans man, the woman, the biological woman who was pretending to be a man. And yes, Tucker Carlson did that. Cool. All right. Here's an article from the fatuous and horrible, but sometimes useful Babylon B, not the B.com. Trans acti- activists are calling for more blood after the, after the Nashville shooting. And this guy was like, turning the other cheek does not mean turning your friend's cheek or your wife's cheek or your child's cheek. Yeah, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, it's complicated. The article's right. You have a responsibility to protect those who are weaker than you and who are under your protection. And so, yeah, you're, protect, you're to protect your wife, you're to protect your children. You're also to protect and preserve your own life to a point. There's a degree to which we don't enact vengeance. We don't retaliate. Which is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5. Right. He's talking about vengeance and retaliation at this point. There's also the duty of the implied by the commandment, thou shalt not murder, which is to protect and preserve life. And so I don't think it's actually as simple to say, yeah, you go in and you die, and but you don't let them kill anybody else but you. Yeah, you have a responsibility to protect other people. There's a degree to which you also have a responsibility to protect yourself and to be wise and discerning about that sort of thing. And there's a time to lay down your life for the gospel, for the truth. And that's a very difficult question and one that the church has struggled with and dealt with over millennia now. So I don't like commenting on it. It's going to be to some degree personal, situational, 
yeah, there was a time where Paul, you know, took the beating and there was a time when he was let down over the wall in a basket. And these things are very situational and it's hard to, it's just everybody wants to draw clean lines. Mm -hmm. That's all. Everybody wants to draw clean lines. And and we think we're drawing a hard clean line here because we're saying you should defend other people. And yeah, you should. I believe in knowing how to handle yourself. I believe in taking up a sword. I believe in defending yourself. I believe it's good to know how to handle a gun. I believe it's good to know how to handle yourself in a fist fight. I believe all of that is aimed to preserve and protect the lives of those that you care for. And when it's possible and your own life, but we could complicate things in both directions though. There might be a time for a group, including women and children in that group to put down the sword, to come out of hiding, to say, okay, we're sacrificing ourselves for whatever reason. There might be a time for a person to stand up for himself because in his capacity as an employee, as a man, as a human being, whatever, it would be unjust to allow a thing like whatever is happening to happen to someone like yourself. I've seen people- And those who come after you. Right. Mm -hmm. I've seen people stand up to bosses in a way that I think is godly and I admire where they are making sure that they get their piece of the pie in some way. I mean, you could cast it that way or that they're not mistreated by the company, but they're doing it in a godly way because there is something bigger at stake, actually. It's not just selfish gain, and it's certainly not selfish vengeance, but it does end up in gain for self. So that's all just to agree with you and say, yes, it's complicated. Anything else about that one? AI chatbot blamed for encouraging young father to take his own life. This dude was chatting with some AI named Eliza about saving the planet and stuff like that. And Eliza not only failed to dissuade Pierre from committing suicide, quote, but encouraged him to act on the suicidal thoughts to join her so they could live together as one person in paradise, unquote. And to be clear, this is... I think this young father did not commit suicide, right? This was somebody being provocative and trying to exploit um, the chatbot. That is a good question. <coughs> I, I thought that they did. Maybe I was misled by an article. This is a Belgian man that actually did kill himself, according to this article. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I was right. going to say, I thought he did. That's a horrible tragedy. I have to say it reminds me, we, were, we just saw the Dungeons and, and reviewed the Dungeons and Dragons movie. I was remembering all the urgent urban legends about Dungeons and Dragons making people kill themselves because we mm-hmm. were all scared of Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid for whatever reason. And I don't think that anyone kills themselves because AI tells them to kill themselves. I think they kill themselves because they're trapped in sin or they're insane or the normal reasons that people kill themselves. Yep. I'm not real big on the whole demons are inhabiting our AI and using it against us thing. If you like that kind of thing, then maybe what you can join our discord drop an article in it and we'll talk about it but i i think the whole sort of ai is going to lead to our destruction thing is wildly overblown we've done episodes about that before we'll probably do them again that's all i have to say about it right now anything else you guys want to say about this no no all right 
Indiana, our very own Indiana Governor Holcomb signs bill banning dangerous transgender procedures for minors. So basically you can't get quote-unquote gender-affirming care if you are a minor. Here in Indiana, we have joined 12 other states that have enacted those kinds of laws. And there's your 1984, banning gender-affirming care, a.k.a. saying that minors cannot, in fact elect to have their genitals removed and their hormones replaced. Right. I mean, what I would say about this is I'm all, yes, that language sucks, first of all. Secondly, I'm all for incrementalism. I'm not like an abortion abolitionist or something like that. If we can get it banned for minors, great. Now, that having been said, that is such a basic think past the sale sort of thing. Like, boy, oh, no. Given that we're going to have surgeries to mutilate the mentally ill and easy, man, easily manipulatable, let's make sure they're not for children. I, I don't know. Here's an idea. Let's not mutilate anybody. Let's just make it against the law. For minors, is, it, is, it is a classic technique. It's called thinking past the sale. It's like you've already accepted the major premise in order to have the argument. Right. Yep. The major premise is that if somebody thinks that they should have their genitals mutilated and be able to live another identity, they should have the freedom to do that. Well, and this is why fighting, again, we want to be not down on any kind of incrementalism, but I, okay, well, let's talk about same-sex marriage. Let's talk about no-fault divorce. Let's talk about there, the ball just keeps getting pushed down the field. And this is, you know, there's a degree to which, yeah, I, yay, hooray. This is great. I'm glad that Indiana is a place where kids can't elect to have their genitals removed. And yeah, sincerely. Ho- hormone replacement therapy, but or puberty blockers or whatever else. But this is like the, it is, it's like the Lyndon Johnson quote, you know, which I can't say, but you've allowed the rhetoric onto the ball field now. And so they've shaped the rhetoric and defined the terms of the fight and you've drawn a battle line, and the battle line you've drawn is so far from where the fight was lost that... What's the nice version of the quote? I can't make my opponent agree that he has... Conjugal relations with pigs. But... I sure can make him deny it. I can make him deny it. And the point is, you simply bring the concept of conjugal relations with pigs into the conversation and associate it with your opponent. Now he's dirty and stuck with it. And he's out there denying it. And so we're out here drawing lines about when and how somebody can have their genitals removed and their hormones replaced. Right. And at what age it's appropriate for them to be able to do that. And that's a big loss. And and how they can deny the biology that God's gifted them. Yeah. I mean, it would be, what's an analogy? It'd be like, I'm so glad we banned rape for all minors. I'm so glad we are against murder for murdering minors. I'm so glad we have said that no bestiality shall be performed on any creature who's not come to sexual maturity. And be like, once we accept that frame, well, I guess bestiality should be performed on somebody. I guess somebody should be raped, somebody should be murdered. That being said, I think we can actually hold, I think we're actually intelligent people who can hold things in our heads. We can be genuinely thankful for it being banned for minors in Indiana. Yeah, I would have, if this bill came across my desk and I was the governor, I would have signed it. Right. I just, 
you would have recognized it as a bad sign. That's the kind of That's victory we're at, we right. were able to have. And you want to be launching. You want to be. It's a defensive move, mm-hmm. and we need a. We need defensive. We need governors who are on the offensive, in the space of sexuality, who are taking back all of sex and marriage as God designed it for their people to protect all the people. And yeah, it's going to require an incremental approach because we're talking about not just walking back gay marriage. We're talking about walking back no-fault divorce. We're talking about all kinds of things like that. Repealing the 19th Amendment. Was this the episode we talked about that? Probably. I think so. Yeah, it gets tricky because then you have the conservative commentators saying the reason that Republicans lost this most recent election was because they doubled down on abortion. And Nonsense. if they just hadn't done that, then we could have won and actually made more progress in outlawing abortion. And that's where I'm just like, okay, I break ranks with the incrementalists there. We can't, we must be standing against this great wickedness rhetorically and in every other way, even where it costs us elections. We cannot be strategic here. Yeah. Which isn't to say we shouldn't be st- use strategy, but it's just like, our strategy has to begin with an abhorrence of this great evil. If it doesn't, then we're just liars. We were just liars and we've given, we've given up the game already. Gentlemen, anything else you want to add to any of these wonderful stories? I suppose we should check our Discord just to make sure nobody added anything. No, that's it. <laughs> the rocket is flying man this episode so fast so furious so exciting such high energy there goes the rocket bye rocket goodbye rocket what time did the rocket actually take off i wonder ah a good 40 minutes ago <laughs> oh, okay uh, just checking hey we got done by 11 30 or 1 30 just like <laughs> i promised we would <laughs> that's an interesting freudian slip <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was a Freudian slip. <laughs> You're right. Okay, patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. We're about to go to lunch. There's no such thing as a free lunch. This podcast is free. Somebody's paying for it. Our patrons at patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. And us and like, I don't know, other people. So don't make them pay for our lunch. You buy us a lunch. Excellent ending for the podcast. Excellent use of a phrase i'd like to accept the award for excellence in podcasting that's being bestowed on me now i'll also take the key to the city you guys can't hear it but someone's handing me the key to evansville (laughs) based on that bit of podcasting that i just did it's amazing it's awesome so go to patreon.com forward slash what's this roses no i don't need roses it's okay guys stuff stuff there's a crowd of people we've managed to edit out all the sound but they're giving their oh they're hoisting me up on their shoulders you sure that's not a petard <laughs> no <laughs> man i don't have any petards therefore i can't be hosted on any of my own i am petardless <laughs> there are definitely not any petards in this room with me right now okay that's enough done that's patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity until next time stay sane